Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Hello, this is the second part of a series that I'm having about skin lesions and some dermatology from a standpoint of providing general education so that you can be comforted by knowing what normal looks like and when to be a little bit more concerned. But I talked in my last episode that I think most people really do need to see a dermatologist regularly who can do full body exams so that you can see if your lesions are changing and you can get the treatment that you need. But I think that these episodes really provide a good overview on really common skin conditions. And I'm going to have an episode talking a little bit more about more of the skin cancers so that you can kind of differentiate the warning signs of when to be concerned and when something is probably more likely to be benign, even though you should always follow up with a doctor, whether that's your primary care doctor or your dermatologist, to have them take a look at it too. But it's good to know if you do suffer from some of these skin conditions, what treatments are available and what to ask your doctor about. So last episode, I talked about the super common skin lesions like nevi, also known as birthmarks, moles. I talked about warts, also known as virgo vulgaris, and I also talked about solar lenigo, also known as liver spots or sunspots. So if you haven't listened to that episode already, highly recommend it. I think it is really important to know your skin because it is the only organ that you can actually physically see so that you can really be monitoring your health, whereas you can't see your liver, you can't see your heart, but you can certainly see your skin, and your skin has this great property of also reflecting what's going on internally as well. So, really, your your skin is really a good indicator of your overall health. So, I think it's important to know especially these common skin lesions. And then again, later on, I'll talk probably in a separate episode. I probably won't have enough time in this episode to talk a little bit more about what skin cancer looks like and how it is. it sometimes looks like a lot of these common skin lesions, but I'll go over the warning signs to look out for. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I encourage you to seek the advice of a physician, a DO, or an MD with any concerns or questions you have about your symptoms or medical conditions. The next one I'll discuss is a cherry hemangioma, and there's also a similar lesion that's called a strawberry hemangioma. They often look pretty similar. So, kind of like the name suggests, these are usually a bright red color. 
and strawberry hemangiomas are usually present in newborns, infants, small children, whereas cherry hemangiomas occur mostly in late adulthood and in the elderly population. So these are dome-shaped spots on your skin that can be slightly raised or they can be completely flat. And over time, they might start to change color into more of a purple color. These are usually pretty small, a half millimeter up to six millimeters in diameter on average. And they most commonly occur on your torso and your upper extremities, but they can really occur anywhere in the body. The color that comes about is due to the proliferation of capillaries that then become dilated. So the the blood in those capillaries cause this reddish color. And this proliferation is benign. It's not a growing tumor. It's not cancer. And it's really unknown what causes this proliferation, but there is some association with genetic predispositions. So, if you have parents or grandparents that have cherry hemangiomas on their skin, then you're probably more likely to experience those in, a, in adulthood as well. You don't really need to do a biopsy of these. Usually, you can just look at the lesion and know exactly what it is. And I said this last episode, I'll say it again. As I go through these, it's hard to really describe what these look like using plain English. This episode being digestible by a general audience, I tried to make it as simple to understand as possible. But with that, it is hard to describe a lot of these lesions. So, I welcome you, if you're not driving while you're listening to this, that you can look up some pictures of these lesions by just doing a Google image search of cherry hemangioma and seeing what it looks like so you can kind of follow along and you can put the visual along with the description. And so, for cherry hemangiomas, usually you don't need to do anything to treat it unless you want to for cosmetic reasons like a lot of these lesions. But there is still a complication with these because they are made up of capillaries. If you have physical trauma to the lesion, it can cause a lot of bleeding. So, when that bleeding occurs, you usually want to seek treatment by a physician in order to remove it and help treat the bleeding. And whether it's removal for the bleeding or cosmetic reasons... It's often electricity is used in the form of electrocauterization, and then there's also vascular laser therapy that can be used. So, these techniques are a little bit different than a lot of these other lesions, just because this lesion is made up of capillaries. But if you choose not to remove this, there's no chance that it can become malignant. But unfortunately, um, as far as cherry hemangiomas go, they usually do not regress on their own. Especially if it's based off of your genetics, there's really nothing you can do to prevent them. But it's good to know that they're completely benign. So, the next one we'll discuss is called a pyogenic granuloma. These are associated with physical trauma to the skin as well as pregnancy. You're more likely to have these sprout up while you're pregnant. And what these look like, they're around 
proliferation of cells that are often soft and kind of like the hemangiomas, they can bleed pretty easily. Sometimes these can cause ulcers um, on the lesion as well. Usually develops on the face or the hands. And it's really not known exactly what causes this. But of course, because it it's more likely to occur during pregnancy, there may be some impact of hormones on the production of this lesion. It's usually diagnosed based off of just what it looks like. Again, this is a good one to look up what it looks like because often a doctor doesn't need to do a biopsy. They, they can just look at it and know what it is. And it's especially helpful to know if the lesion rapidly grew. That kind of history, based off of what you tell the doctor, leads them more into thinking this as the diagnosis as well versus something that was slower growing and the treatment for this is uh, excision sur- surgically, so surgical removal. Okay, next one, I tried to group some of the ones that occur during pregnancy. So the next one is melasma. This one is often called the mask of pregnancy, and you may have seen this before. It's pretty common. It's not only in pregnancy, but also with use of oral contraceptive pills, so birth control can cause this kind of lesion. This is more of a a patch of skin that is darker in color than the rest of your skin on your face. And another thing to know about this is that uh, not only are hormones a trigger, but also sunlight is a trigger for this. Uh, The UV radiation in particular can cause it or exacerbate it. It's a little bit more common in individuals who have darker complexions. You can probably expect that it is more common in females than males. And like a lot of these other ones, it is diagnosed clinically. You don't really need to take a biopsy of it. Just knowing the history of maybe you're pregnant, maybe you take OCPs combined with A doctor looking at the lesion can help the doctor to correctly diagnose you with melasma. The problem with this is is mostly cosmetically that it is uh, sometimes pretty obviously on your face, on your cheeks especially. So you usually want to treat it so that it looks less pigmented. And so this can be done with sunscreen by protecting the skin from the worsening uh, that is associated with UV radiation. And then there's also some agents that you can use, creams and ointments you can apply directly to the rash that are specifically meant to lighten the skin. And um, they can also be called depigmenting agents. And so an example of that one is hydroquinone. Another one that is associated with some hormone and endocrine imbalances is acanthosis nigricans. This is also a dark colored plaque of skin. So it is um, like a patch of skin that can be raised slightly. Most likely occurs in regions of your skin involved in different folds and when skin is rubbing on other skin. So this 
is especially prominent in your armpit and in some people the neck usually they are brown to black in color it's going to be darker than your usual complexion and this is a little bit different than a lot of the other ones because it is more likely to cause symptoms it can become itchy and usually this causes thickening of the skin as well so it can be pretty uncomfortable and this is known to be associated with endocrine imbalances so uh, diabetes type 2 is a big one pcos is another one so that's polycystic ovary syndrome that occurs in females cushing syndrome is another one where you have an increase in cortisol also there's been some evidence of genetic predisposition so if you're you have family members who have this type of lesion you're probably more likely to have it there are also known causes from use of medications such as oral contraceptives because of that hormonal impact and then also glucocorticoids usually known as steroids usually you want to treat whatever is causing the condition so if it's from medication use maybe you can discontinue the medication and then it makes the lesion go away if it's from your diabetes you want to manage your diabetes appropriately if it's caused by pcos you want to engage in the the treatment um, for that which is often also managing insulin resistance losing weight sometimes taking medications as well but if that doesn't work or if you have symptoms from this and you really want to get rid of it quickly, there's, there's treatment um, available like laser therapy and using topical retinoids, which are often used for acne, but can also be used for acanthosis nigricans. So then there's something called seborrheic keratosis, which is a little bit more common in older age groups. And these are benign growths of a type of cell called keratinocytes. It is really not known why these occur, but there's a genetic predisposition that if people in your family have it, you are probably more likely to have it. So this is an interesting one. Usually these just occur randomly, but sometimes many of these occur all of a sudden. You'll especially sometimes see people that all of a sudden, a bunch of these sprout up everywhere on their back. That might be something called the lesser trilat sign, which could be a sign of gastrointestinal cancer. So this is an example of something going on internally in your body, and it shows up on the skin, which is super interesting. So certainly, if you have risk factors for gastrointestinal cancer, and all of a sudden you get a ton of seborrheic keratosis, that is definitely a reason to get a doctor's appointment and get these checked out. So what do these look like? So they usually do occur in multiples. If you have one, you might have several in your body. They are usually dark in color. They might be the size of a mole or a birthmark, or they could be a little bit bigger and they are usually raised. They usually have clear borders and they're often soft instead of hard. And usually a dead giveaway for these is that it almost looks like you can just 
pick them off. Like they're barely hanging onto your skin. And they often look a little bit greasy. So definitely look up pictures of this one. So even though it looks like you can just take it off, um, usually if you if you scratch at them, which a lot of times they are itchy, uh, they often bleed pretty easily. So usually these are going to be found on your torso, your back, your forearms, the back of your hand, your head, your face, your neck. So really a lot of places, usually on the upper body. And yeah, usually doctors can just look at these lesions and diagnose them, but sometimes doctors will get a biopsy just to rule out potential for being cancer. So I've seen a lot of these on slides that the pathologist can confirm that it's a subarachnoid keratosis. And I've also seen a lot of patients in clinic that will ask me about this new lesion on their body and I can look at it even as a medical student and easily tell that it's a subarachnoid keratosis. But sometimes that line could be blurred and you want to get a biopsy. So treatment, again, for a lot of these benign lesions is that really treatment isn't necessary, but if you want to for cosmetic reasons, you can get cryotherapy, laser therapy, or you can just get it surgically removed. So I believe I only have time for one more. So I'm going to talk about echocordons or skin tags. These are small often found in skin creases, and sometimes they are the color of your skin, sometimes they're slightly discolored. These are super common. Half of people over the age of 50 will have a skin tag, and as you age, that prevalence just increases. It's not really understood what causes these, but because it occurs in skin creases, it might be caused by skin rubbing on skin. It's also associated with HPV, as well as any changes in your hormones. So, pregnancy can cause skin tags to come up. Obesity can cause skin tags. Type 2 diabetes can cause skin tags. And sometimes, you, if you have Crohn's disease, you may have some of these skin tags around your anus. Um, so that's another example of something happening internally that can affect your skin externally. So these areas of skin creases, that's probably going to be in your neck is a common place that I see it. In your armpit, you can have them if you're a woman under your breasts and then also in your inguinal region or in your pubic area. Usually these are small, soft, and they are considered smooth, and they're considered to be pedunculated, which really just means that they arise out of your skin. It's not flat at all. It kind of forms a stalk of sorts. And usually this is diagnosed clinically. Again, this is something as a medical student, if someone asks me about something new on their skin, I can pretty easily see that it's a skin tag. But sometimes that line can be blurred. Sometimes they can look a little bit like a wart, can look a little bit like a subarachnoid keratosis, like maybe it looks a little bit like skin cancer, like a basal cell carcinoma or squamous cell carcinoma. So sometimes you do need to biopsy these when they kind of blur those lines. If it really is a skin tag though, there's treatment really isn't necessary because it's benign, 
but again, you can remove it for cosmetic reasons. Usually, it's going to be surgically excised. Really, the surgeon just uses scissors to snip them off, and also cryotherapy couldn't be an option as well. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.